I can afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me as always in the producer chair tonight is young Kyle Dotson. Kyle, how was your holidays? Uh, it was good. You went back to Pennsylvania? Yes, I did. The reason I know that is because I was in Pennsylvania too, mm-hmm. so we had many days with the crazy family. Yes, we did. There were no, there's no fighting though. Everyone was good. Yeah, yeah, everyone was really well behaved. It was a nice visit. Yeah, it was. Even uh, even my dad, your grandfather, said on the way to the airport, he goes, I like this. No one was fighting. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, well, that's because you uh, stayed away from us. <laughs> but, but uh, hey, I'm excited uh, because uh, tonight is a, a, our guest is a gentleman who I've been trying to get uh, in here uh, for a couple of months. But uh, this is like the perfect time to have him in here because uh, he's got two brand new solo albums out. Not one. You heard me right. Not one. He's got two. He's going to tell us about those albums and uh, where you can get them. And he's also got a brand new album coming out in February with his band called Black Star Riders, which I saw them at the Canyon Club last May, and they were phenomenal. I mean, I was, uh, I was blown away about, uh, by how great these guys are. Every single member of the band uh, it, it was great. I, I just couldn't believe it. We'll talk about that, too. But I'm going to introduce right now uh, to the microphone, Ricky Warwick. Hey. How you doing, Ricky? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. So, Ricky, the, the accent, you are not from around these parts. I'm not from around these parts. I'm a stranger in town. I've been here for 10 years, but I uh, originally come from Belfast in Northern Ireland. And you, were just, uh, you just got home from Belfast, didn't you? Uh, just before Christmas, yeah. yeah. I was over there playing some shows and... Um, Actually doing a charity show for my, my local soccer team over there. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Who, who's, who's your team? It's a team called Glen Torren Football Club. They're from East Belfast. Um, they've been going for about 130 years. And you're just, you've been a fan since you were a kid? Since I was a kid. It was a boyhood team. Um, obviously, don't get to see them play that much now I'm living here. But every time mm-hmm. I'm home, I'll go to the games and... You know, try and be involved with the club as much as I can. Yeah, I mean, if, if you think people were crazy for the American football, I mean... You guys in the what we yeah. call soccer, yeah. it's it's nuts. Well, we just grew up on it, you know. Especially if you're a working class kid, that yeah. was that was your release on a Saturday. You just went out and you screamed and yelled at the team you love for ninety yeah. minutes. And, and because no matter no matter what economic status you are, you can always get your hand on a ball and, and find a place to I kick mean, it around. That was also we did. We were kids. We just every day after school we go out and we get a soccer ball and mm-hmm. we just we play for till it got dark and even. Under the streetlights, you know, until it's time to come in, you know? <laughs> we don't let our kids play out like that at night no, anymore. I mean, it's funny. I used to go to the games on my own when I was about eight or nine years old, and I would never let my kids go to a soccer game on their own. Now. And that's yeah. crazy when I think about it. I know. It, you know what I mean? My wife grew up in Brooklyn. When she was eight years old, she'd get on the bus and get on the subway and I go know. all over the place. And I'm like, no way would that happen with our daughters. I, you know, I don't know if it's any different or it's just more fear and paranoia that sort of the internet and everything being so that's, instant now, you know. That's probably what it is. I think that's, it's freaked, freaked us all out. You know? I know. It yeah. really is. Um, Ricky, what do you, how do you like to, what do you call yourself? A, a singer-songwriter? Um, <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you refer yourself as? That's a polite version. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you know, I just, yeah, I guess so. And you've been, you, you've been a working musician. Since I was nine, 20, when I, was, I got my sort of, when I was able to go full-time. Yeah, and was that so, with uh, that was with the band The Almighty? No, it was with a band called New Model Army. Even before that, look Even at that. Before then, um, I was in a band called New Model Army who are still going. A very great band from from England, 
And uh, how come I, you're not still in that band? What, well, did, you, what did you do to well, get kicked you know, out of that band? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what happened was uh, I was uh, I had a, my own band, a little three piece punk rock band, mm-hmm. and we got on some dates with New Model Army, okay. op- opening for them. I was a huge fan of the band. Uh, they were really exploding in the UK at the time, and their singer knew I was a huge fan. And I said, "Hey, you know, you know, the, we need some extra guitar and a track. Mm-hmm. Would you like to jump up on stage?" Um, of course, you know, dream come true. Yeah. Um, it's kind of been a theme for me. I've, I've been lucky that way. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, one thing led to another. And he said, "Look, you know, we're going on a world tour. We need a second guitar player. Um, we'd love you to do it. We know your family. We know you know the stuff." And and that was it for me. It was you know, you know, my my twenty first birthday was was spent on the Staten Island ferry. You know, as guests at Capitol Records, who were signed to playing on the Staten Island ferry going wow. around New York. That's the first time I saw America. That's amazing. And, it, you know, obviously, as a kid from Belfast, it was, I'd, I'd seen on Starsky and Hutch and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was exactly like that. You know, I wasn't disappointed. You're, you're just going, you know, you know, around the harbor in New York, and it's, it's mind-blowing, you know. That's like, that's like a dream. Yeah. Uh, what is, uh, uh, my wife is a screenwriting teacher that where we record. This is actually her, her writing studio. Um, she actually taught in, uh, she's been in Dublin twice, and she taught in wow. Belfast, too. Right. What, what was Belfast like growing up? Yeah, well, I've actually lived in both cities. I, mm-hmm. I um, lived in Dublin for eight years, but not till I was uh, much older. Um, it was weird. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't weird to me at the time because you don't know anything else. No. But obviously, being a child of the 70s and, and 80s, you know, all that shit was going down yeah. big time then. Um, but it was normal to us because we didn't know any different. No. You know, playing on a bomb site was normal. Seeing soldiers on the streets was normal. Hearing bombs go off, hearing gunshots being searched as you went into stores, you know, n- no bands coming to play, no. the town be shutting down at night. I mean, there was nothing to do. I mean, I don't think McDonald's opened in Belfast till like 1994. Wow. There was just nothing to do. It was a, it was a ghost town at night and, uh, you know, the pubs would, the pubs would shut pretty early yeah. as well. And there was just certain places, areas that you wouldn't go into. And how many, uh, were you, how many people in your family? Um, your my immediate family, two, two older sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up on a small farm, and my dad was a, was a farmer, and I grew up on a small farm just outside Belfast, and, uh, you know, we weren't really in the thick of it, but certainly there was enough, and I knew people that were unfortunately caught up in it and, yeah. and stuff like that. You just, you couldn't avoid it. It was, it was, it was just a way of life, and you, you adapted to it, and it wasn't until really, you know, some years later, I think I was sitting on a plane mm-hmm. somewhere, and I was, you know, you're sitting there going, Jesus Christ, that, that bomb went off, like, you know, <laughs> a quarter of a mile from our school, and you just... It suddenly hits you and you think, yeah. you know, that was, because when you're a kid, you're, it's all a big adventure and you've no fear, you know, you yeah. you're not scared. That's so funny. That's so funny. Like you and I, you and I, I'm, I'm a couple years older than you, but uh, you, you have like these, these stories. You, if you, if you told your kids these stories, it's, they would think like that. Yeah. Well, you know, you I always, mean, no matter what you do, you come off as the old fart. I mean, I yeah. try, try and con- <laughs> convey it, con- convey it to my kids that, right. you know, they've got to walk, they, they moan, they've got to walk two blocks to school. Right. Right. And you, you say, know, hey. in the sunshine of LA where it's, <laughs> it rains, what, you know, 10 days a year. And we were, you know, having to walk two blocks with army on the street, it's snowing, wind blowing, you know, we'd be walking, getting a bus and then walking a mile and you can't, I mean, but it's what they know. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't persecute them for you know, having having a great life here, yeah, and, and for us spoiling them. You know, and and you know, when they moan, sometimes it's pretty hard for me to take because I'm just like, oh, I know. You know, really, I'm sure you're the same. You know, yeah, it is. And and uh, and what about Belfast now? How's what's Belfast? Like um, now? wonderful, great. I mean, it always was a wonderful place. Yes, I love yes, it yes. I love it dearly. It was just, you know, one thing about the troubles was it was a, it was a really, it was a secret. Nobody knew what yeah. a great city it was and how great the people were. But now, with everything being the way it is, thank mm-hmm. God. Um, 
you know, there's, there's money being pumped in, there's jobs, there's new infrastructure, there's new buildings, there's new opportunity. There's a McDonald's. There's a McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> For, unfortunately, I don't know if that's a good yes. or bad thing, right? Um, it's a changed city, and it's it's vibey. Uh, there's so much music going on there that's right great. now, which is there always was, but it was always, you know, confined to the yeah. little, little pubs and stuff like that. Bands are coming playing. I mean, that's you know why Thin Lizzy and, and people like Rory Gallagher and and Stiff Little Fingers and the Boomtown Rats, mm-hmm. the Undertones, all those bands were Irish. And they would play there. Yeah. So they were very special to us at that time because a lot of the big bands just wouldn't come and play. And did you, uh, did you get to see these bands at a young age? Did you go out? I got to see some. The first band I ever saw was Stiff Little Fingers play in the Ulster Hall in Belfast when I was, um, I think I was just turned 14. Yeah. Right before I, I moved, I actually left Belfast right before my 15th birthday. Um, and that changed my life. That was the defining moment where I saw Jake Burns front that band and, and go, I want to be that guy. Yeah. How do I be that guy? What do I need to do to be that guy? Because I want, I want to be that guy. And, you know, and, and I, I literally left that concert that night knowing what I wanted to do. So were you musical before that, that yeah, uh, epiphany? Or did you uh, then no. just go home and say, I want to get a guitar, I want to do this? Yeah, I always loved music. Always, you know, listen to the radio all the mm-hmm. time. Um, you know, sneaking into bed at night and listen to the yeah. small hours and everything. But I, I couldn't play an instrument until... Until you know, I saw that gig, and then I was like, "I got to get a guitar." To, I borrowed some. I mean, I was working on the farm at weekends and stuff, and saved up some money. And I think my dad chipped in the rest, mm-hmm. and uh, I got my first electric guitar, and that was it. There was no looking back. But I, I, I wanted to always wanted to write songs. I never yeah. wanted to be the guy that shredded. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to write songs with it, and it's what I needed to learn to be able to write songs, which is basically three chords, and nothing's really changed much in th- <laughs> 30 years. So, <laughs> And now, did, did you know you could sing, though? And that, this is what always is funny to me. Like, like you, you go to see this show, yeah. and then you, you go, this is what I want to do, but you don't even know if you can sing no. at that point. Well, what happens is, you know, I moved to Scotland when I was 15. We, 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 my dad just decided it was time to get the family, I guess, out of there. And mm-hmm. we moved to Scotland, which I wouldn't say was any less rough, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was Scotland's a good place. And... As soon as I was in school the first day, word got round that there's a new kid and he's got an electric guitar and suddenly, you know, this bass player sticks his head in and says, hey, you know, i got a bass. And so that was a good thing then. It wasn't like, who's this fucking kid? No, this is, and those two guys would end up being the bass player and drummer in the Almighty. That's how oh, we started oh, when we were 15, go. you know. And we had a rehearsal in, uh, in my mom and dad's house in the front room when they were out one day and it was that old question, who's going to sing? Nobody wanted to do it. And I certainly <laughs> didn't want to do it. I wanted, I wanted to be the rhythm guitar player and write the songs. And uh, nobody would do it. And I said, "Look, I'll do it till we find somebody." That's hysterical, you know. So here we are, twenty years later. <laughs> and you guys, they stayed still looking they, for somebody. They stopped, yeah, they stopped looking. Let's since you brought it up, let's play something from uh, your first album, "Blood, Fire, and Love." Sure, I don't let's play. Uh, this is called "Destroyed." Turn that up. <laughs> Still sounds great. So, have your kids heard the Almighty? Yeah, you know, um, 
they, you know, they're not into what I do. Really. No, <laughs> kids are not. It doesn't you matter. Know, I mean, even uh, Paul McCartney's kids aren't probably into what he. Well, they might be. You know, <laughs> my youngest little girl, who's called Pepper, is. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's very, very musical. Yeah. and, and um, she'll pick up certainly. Some of the Black Star Rider stuff, she'll she'll be singing it, and you know she'll she'll, she'll ask what it's about, and but uh, you know the older kids are, you know, <laughs> I'm an old fogey. You know? <laughs> You're not that old. I know. I'm two years older than you, so please don't <laughs> say you. Uh, I want to talk about the. Uh, here's what I want. I have a question for you about the second uh, the Almighty album called Soul Destruction. Yep. That was produced by Andy Taylor from Duran Duran. It was, yeah. How'd you get hooked up with this guy? Um. Strange, yeah, obviously. It doesn't sound like it would work at all. Um, Andy was suggested by somebody at our record label at Polydor at the mm-hmm. time. And Andy produced a band from the UK called Thunder. Yes, yeah, I know Thunder. And he produced the first album called Backstreet Symphony, yeah. which was a great Dirty sound. Love is on that album. That's the one. Which is a great sounding record. And and we heard that and we went, yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, obviously we knew who he was. Yeah. Um, I was aware of Andy's solo albums, which obviously were very guitar driven. And his solo album called, is also called Thunder. That's right. So he, um, we met up with him and we just, great guy, hit it off. He's a true rocker. Yes. One of my favorite bands, ACDC. Hell of a guitar player. Lovely guy. And uh, he's like, you know, let's, let's go make a record. And, and, uh, and we did. And we had a lot of fun making it. I mean, those are pretty mad times. Did he, uh, yeah, because he was known uh, back in the day to enjoy some, uh, some everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did he play on the album at all? Did he sneak he in sang, there? He didn't play any guitar on the album. He sang some backing vocals. Okay. He's got a great voice. Yes, he does. I, I, yeah. That Thunder album uh, is, I always tell people, look, you gotta, I know Look, I, I know you might not like Duran Duran, although I do. Yeah. I like, but this is not like no, that. He's, so, he's yeah. I'm still in touch with Andy to this day. I mean, we still talk, and I saw him last year. He came, we played in Newcastle, and he came in the, uh, where he's from originally, yeah. and he came to the show. Is he like semi-retired right now? Pretty What's, much. Uh, he, he lives over in one of the Spanish islands in uh, Ibiza. Wow. And uh, he's doing a bit of producing and still writing and you know, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, he's all right. He's, 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 he's got some money in the bank. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. You know? <laughs> let's, uh, let's hear uh, something from the second album by the Almighty. Um, this is Free and Easy. Uh, that song reminds me of something that would be on Andy's uh, Thunder album. It has has like the same type of a groove. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. I know he didn't co-write anything with this, so I yeah. mean, I, that just happened. You know, I, I was listening to. Reason. I tell you where I got that song from. Our, the, our bass player Floyd came up with a riff, the little riff at the start, which was great. And there was an, al- an album at the time by Steve Jones called Fire and Gasoline. Steve Jones from the Oh yeah, yeah. Who also oh, plays on the plays Thunder album? And yeah. Also, yeah. So I uh, I was listening to that, and that was uh, you know an influence. That just the whole groove and the kind of cult feel as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Was going on at the time, and I thought, well, I'll have some of that. Oh yeah, it does sound like the cult too. Yeah. Um, are you still in touch with the uh, the guys from the Almighty? Um, I speak to um, Stumpy the drummer a lot. We're still uh, pretty close. The other two guys I haven't spoken to in a while, unfortunately, which is a shame because. Uh, you know, we've got these reissues coming out at the moment. Yeah. Uh, the whole back catalog's been remastered, mm-hmm. and myself and Stumpy have been very involved in that. And, you know, we reached out to our two guys and said, hey, you know, you want to be involved in this? And we even, you know, put the idea about there, maybe let's do a couple of shows. But 
it wasn't met with a very enthusiastic response. So, uh-huh. I mean, it's one of those things where everybody's doing okay. Yeah. Thank God. And there's nobody hurting from really from money yeah. or anything like that. So maybe it's just better left alone. You know? uh, from the first time I, I started to talk about the Black Star Riders on the show, uh, listeners would, would immediately email me and said, have you ever heard the Almighty? And at that point, I hadn't. Right. So I'm like, well... Right. No, but I will now. Yeah, well, we never did. So, we never did anything over here. I mean, we tried, but yeah. we, we just couldn't. We could get arrested over here. I mean, we, yeah. you know, the usual sob story of everything's going great in Europe and, and Japan for us. We came over here and we had record company troubles from day one. People leave, and you know, we were switched about. We were obviously on um, Universal. We were on like four different labels. And yeah, that, and tried to get on a tour, and it just for whatever reason didn't happen. It was really disappointing because I think we we felt that we all loved. The idea of America and the idea of rock and roll in America right. and the whole that whole dream and I know we really wanted to try and, and, and tour here a lot and, and maybe you know make some kind of success over here with the Almighty but it just it wasn't to be so yeah I mean uh, the musicians over here they're worshiping uh, you know everyone over there sure. the Kinks Zeppelin the Who and then you guys uh, over there they want to come over here it's yeah. it's yeah that's how it is I, I guess. think at that time as well there was so much going on in, in the kind of metal scene the Guns and Roses were happening and, and yeah. the whole scene was was going on and. The Sunset Strip, and you know, we came over. We, we were the only, I think, the first European band to ever play at Ricky Rackman's um, Cat, Cat House, House. Yeah. yeah, which was amazing, you know. Yeah, um, and we got loads of good press, and we were doing well at radio, but you know, it just didn't happen. But at some point, you got to go, well, you know, we're selling loads of records in Europe, and we're getting to play, so maybe you just can't have everything, you know. It's so funny, I mean, how many great musicians and great bands just fell through the cracks that we sure. will never know about? Yeah. It's it's it, it's a tough. I mean, entertainment, any you know, actor, yeah. comedy, whatever you're in, it's tough. It's tough. Absolutely. I mean, and people say it was. It's tough. It's tougher now, but you know, it was tough back then as well. Yeah, of course it was. You know, is um, uh, when you were to when you would tour um in your homeland, did you did you were you on any cool bills? Did you open for any any big bands? I mean, amazing. I mean, the first real big tour we ever did was opening for the Ramones. <laughs> And that was uh, 1989, and it was C.J. Ramon's first tour. D.D. had just left the band. And we were just, you know, we were all Ramones were our heroes. Yeah. And then, you know, we no sooner had we finished that than we went out with Motorhead. <laughs> so, I mean, if it ended there, right. I, I'd have just gone, thanks very much, that's great, you know. <laughs> Job done, you know. Next, uh, and, it, you know, we ended up touring with Iron Maiden, uh, Megadeth, played a show with uh, Metallica. We went to South America with Megadeth, which was fantastic. I mean, we did it almost three months of Maiden. Wow, that's right, amazing. Around Europe. Um, those guys are like English gentlemen, right? They're, they were amazing. And, they, and they still, again, still in touch with Steve. Steve's a good friend and, and been a great supporter of, of everything that I've been involved yeah. in throughout the years. And, and they're just lovely guys. See, that's what's cool is that you, you made these connections and you sure. made these friends. Uh, also, speaking of the Ramones, you, uh, the, the Almighty, then you guys got to work with Daniel Ray. We did. Uh, he produced, uh, so I have all my notes here, Psycho Narco. Yeah, that was and, the last, uh, last Almighty album, right? Yeah, and I uh, I say yeah, like as if you don't know. <laughs> no, but, I, don't, uh, I don't. I was checking with you. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, one of, with the Ramones album that he produced, uh, Brain Drain, is one of my it's favorites, great. man. I love Brain Drain. Is that, that song, I Want to Live on Brain Drain? Uh, I Want to Live is on um, uh, Halfway to Sanity. Sanity. But that was the, yeah. that's a great album too, it but is. Brain Drain Brain for me. Brain Drain's great, yeah. Um, so Joe Elliott, how do you get hooked up with this? Uh, you meet Joe Elliott. Funny story. I mean, one of these mad rock and roll stories that, that, that is great and it's true that we, the Almighty had split up. I'd moved back to Ireland. I was mm-hmm. living in Dublin. I was playing in a, a little punk band, which I loved, called Sick. Okay. S-I-C. 
And we were rehearsing in this place called The Factory, you know, which, is, which was a very, it's not there anymore, it's a very famous uh, rehearsal studio. And Bowie was in the big room. Wow. And he was do, going through his drum and bass phase at that point. This is about 96. And uh, we'd see him every day. Yeah. He was a canteen, and he's a you know, nice guy. How's it going, guys? And, you know, stupid boy, you know. And um, he'd finished writing his album, and he decided he was going to have a showcase gig. And, okay. he, and, and being the great guy that he is, he invited everybody that rehearsed in the building. That's great. The staff, the people, gave us all tickets. And obviously to some of his celebrity friends. So... Um, I'm we, just excited when Kyle shows up. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know what it would be like with David, no, David so, Bowie invite you somewhere. We were blown away. So we went to this David Bowie gig, and, and uh, I'm just standing at the bar, and, and there's Joe Elliott. And obviously I know who knew who Joe was, um, of course. But he walked up to me, and he went, mm-hmm. Ricky Warwick. And I went, wow, Joe Elliott knows my name. <laughs> he says, oh, I'm a big fan of the Almighty. You know, I've been following you guys in Kerrang! magazine and all the magazines over there. He's a really big fan of the band. And we just started talking, and... Uh, it, uh, like everything that seems to run through my life, it, it turned to soccer. Hmm. And, uh, you know, he's a huge soccer fan. And we just hit it off. And, you know, we got drunk, watched the gig, went on to a nightclub, party till about five, six in the morning, just had a great time, just yeah. hung out. And he said, Look, there's a, there's a game on, on Friday night. He said, uh, I'll give you a call. Give me your number. I'll give you a call. Come up. We'll get some Chinese. We'll watch the, we'll watch the game. And I thought, He's not going to call me. That's what he's going to say. Did he's you think he's going to call is... me? You know, nice guy, but he's never going right. to bother with me. Sure enough, Friday, 5 o'clock, game kicks off, 7.30, uh, come up for 7, what kind of Chinese food do you like? <laughs> and that was it, and he just, uh, we just became you know, best mates, I ended up being his best man at his wedding. Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. So what year is this? This is 96. Oh, okay, so, they're, so yeah, Def Leppard is... Yeah, they're... They're gigantic. They're, they're monstrous. Yeah, you know? this, isn't, this isn't early on, this and is big time. He's been um, a great friend and a great inspiration and a great believer in, in me there was a a couple of bad years there um i'd say 99 and the turn of the century 2000 where i, I was struggling with a lot of mm-hmm. things personally and i hadn't picked up a guitar in almost a year and i didn't know if i wanted to play anymore yeah. just you know you just get bogged down as you do in life sometimes things weren't going very well for me at all and joe was the one that basically got me by the scruff of the neck and mm-hmm. said you need to shake yourself out of this you need to write some songs you need to get in the studio and he gave me the opportunity to do that. He gave me the studio time. He said, you know, pay me back when you get a deal, you know, yeah. and, uh, which I did. And, and he got me sort of back on track. So uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. And is that, was, that with, um, was that with the Tattoos and Alibis? That was the Tattoos and Alibis record. Joe was very instrumental in, in pulling those songs out of me mm-hmm. and, and not making me, but making, giving me the confidence back to, because yeah. my confidence was gone. I, I had a horrendous couple of years and I just was, I, I thought I was done, you know, and yeah. he, he instilled the confidence back in me to, to start making music again. And you, um, I actually saw you open right. for Def Leppard yeah. at the Universal Amphitheater. Right. Yeah. They were on the, was it the X mm-hmm. tour? And you were, you were just, you and just an acoustic guitar. Yeah, it's pretty scary, right? Well, here's what, <laughs> and here's, here's what's sad for me. Is uh, I was talking to my uh, my friend today. I go, hey, we, the, Ricky Warwick's coming on my podcast tonight. We saw him. He's like, when? I said he opened for Def Leppard. He goes, and how was that? I go, I don't even remember. No. And well, that's what stinks for you. Well, no, it's a funny thing. You know, it's I'd only done. And it ha- stinks for me too. You know, the idea of me being a solo entertainer mm-hmm. was. Uh, never in a million years. I've yeah. gone, no way. I need the Wall of Marshalls. Mm-hmm. I need my Les Paul. I need my, my, my mates around me. Yeah. 
But Joe said, go out on your own. You know, no overheads. You can travel really light. You build yourself, you build your con- And, and uh, I'd done about five or six club shows. And then Joe said, look, you know, uh, we've got a bunch of shows coming up. Uh, this was December 2002 in the States. Mm-hmm. He said, I've got you on them. I said, what do you mean you've got me on them? <laughs> he said, you're going to open for us. And I said, well, me and my own. He went, yeah, you, you know, you can't afford to bring a band. So, And the first show was the Mandalay Bay Hotel in, mm-hmm. in Vegas in front of 12,000 people. Now, at that point, is that the biggest crowd you've ever oh, played in front of? No, no not solo, absolutely, yeah. Right. But not, not with the, the Almighty. We'd done a lot of big Oh, yeah, because when you did, when you opened for Maiden and stuff, that's yeah, a huge... Yeah. Okay. So, you know, Malvin Mortimer, who's been Def Leppard's tour manager forever, introduced me, and I just remember walking out and, and vomiting into my mouth. I was so <laughs> nervous before I even got to the mic. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It was... I'm just go, and, and I'm the same. When a guy walks out with acoustic guitar, I'm the guy that goes, oh, God, here we go. The singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. feel my pain. This is going to be boring, you know? So I knew what all those people were thinking. Yeah, yeah. They're going, crap. We've got to look at this, this guy singing, you know, woe is me, you know? But <laughs> I've never been that guy. I mean, I've always picked up the guitar. Right. Wanted to use it as, as a weapon and batter it. And, and, you know, when I play solo, I jump, I move around and... Is aggression there. Um, so I just basically closed my eyes and, and played the songs as fast as I could and came off stage and, and, uh, and Malvin goes to me to remind you, he said, that was great. And I went, was it? <laughs> you know, I had no idea. I was just happy yeah. that I got through it. I mean, drenched in sweat and just... And it took me... And bless Joe, he gave me that tour to see if it would work. And if it worked, then they gave me the X tour, which lasted for a year. Yeah. Which was unbelievable, you know, really, you know, set me up uh, in every way possible. Because yeah. as, as a solo performer, it's kind of easy to bring you along. Yeah, you know, you, there's not much there's, overhead, there's right? A, there's a guitar and and uh, and that's it. A, you know, suitcase of clean underwear. Yeah, and that's <laughs> it. You know, and and uh, that's why I still love doing it. Even even now, I still like to go out and play solo shows. I just enjoy that freedom and it's something I've really fallen in love with. And I never thought I would. Well, I got to tell you, on these on these solo albums, uh, tattoos and alibis, and love many, trust few. You sound. Totally different from the singer in the Almighty, <laughs> yeah. and that's not that's not that's not a slap on on either genre of music because mm-hmm. it's amazing that you can do both. Thank you. And um, I had a couple more Almighty songs uh, to play, but since since we moved on, let's get let's jump into uh, song, this song. I love this song, Mysterioso. Let's hear this from Tattoos and Alibis. So there's a there's a guy that does a guitar solo on that song. <laughs> he's 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 okay. Who's the guy? How with? funny is that? I know that's right? really weird. Is that the first? Now tell everyone who it is. It's, yeah, Scott, it's Scott Gorham from from Thin Lizzy, Black Star Writers. And uh, he's Scott Gorham. Is that the first time you had ever met him? No. Um, no. Okay. 
I met Scott again back in the days of the Almighty in the mm-hmm. early 90s. Um, my ex-wife and his wife, mm-hmm. who he's still with, Christine, um, they both worked together at MTV in Europe. Oh, nice. And obviously I was a massive Lizzie fan, and I got introduced to Scott. Uh, they were, my wife was going up to cover Donington for Monsters of Rock, and I think it was about 1990, and uh, Christine, Scott's wife, was there, and Scott actually gave me a, a ride up to Donington in his car. Which blew my mind, and that's now, how I got to know Scott Gorham. Now, how do you ride up there with him as a fan of Thin Lizzy? Uh, you know, he's, but Scott's the coolest guy. I mean, you're a musician, too, and sure. you're a working musician, so you're, you're peers. Yeah, he's a know, peer. You know, I'm frothing at the mouth trying to be cool, and, and right. I want to ask him all these questions, but Scott's so unassuming and so humble, and, mm-hmm. and you know, he, he answered them. You know, I, could, I felt within an hour I could ask him about Phil, I could ask him about Lizzy, I could ask him anything. Yeah. And, uh, and we just hit it off, and we, we kept in touch. I mean, not, not a great deal. We, you know, the odd phone call or what, what have you over the years. And then Joe ran into him uh, when we were starting to make the record. And he said, what are you doing? And uh, Scott asked Joe what he was doing. So I'm you know, producing Ricky Warwick's a song for Ricky Warwick. He goes, oh, Ricky, I know Ricky. I'm seeing Ricky. And Joe's like, well, come on over and play in the record. And to be honest with you, that's the record that got me the, the gig in Thin Lizzy, because Scott heard the songwriting, heard me singing, yeah. as opposed to shouting, what should I do in the Almighty? Right, right, right. And he he, he loved it, and, and he remembered that, so... Yeah, seven years later. I mean, it's, yeah. it's about seven years before would, you get the... Yeah, it, was, it would be eight years later. Eight yeah. years later. So eight years later, you know, I get the phone call, and... Uh, and that's it. It changes everything. Is, uh, did you get to see Thin Lizzy? I didn't. No. No, I was a little bit too young, Um I got to see Phil play with um, Grand Slam, the band he started after okay. Thin Lizzy, just right before he passed away uh, at the tail end. Uh, it would have been, I think it would have been 85, early 85 maybe, um, in Glasgow. Uh, so I got to see the great man on stage. Let me ask you this, because this is, this is, a, this is a, I, I go back and forth with all different people. What is the corne- correct pronunciation of Phil's last name? Well, How do you say it? It's Line It. Line It. As in why not? <laughs> Scott will say Line It as in why not. <laughs> That's okay. so, so Phil Linet. Because someone told me it was Linet, and I'm no. like, I've never heard that before. Phil Linet. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, Scott, I, when you guys played at the Canyon Club in May, I, uh, he signed my Renegade, my, oh, my vinyl cool. copy of Renegade. Cool. And uh, it wasn't just a sign and a walk away. He, but he was there, and he was connected to just a guy who's a fan. And uh, it was fantastic. It was a, I mean... Here's an example. I, I got uh, I got I got Steve Howe from Yes. I got his autograph, uh-huh. and I said, "Steve, can I get a signature?" And he says uh, to me, "He goes, do you really want to do this?" No. <laughs> and I yeah, said, yeah. and I said, I said yes, <laughs> and he signed it. But then, boom! And that was it's 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 tough sometimes. That's I mean that's just somebody forgetting the the life that they've been they've been blessed with, yeah. and, and the reason that they're doing it. I mean. I hate it when I hear that. I just think it's yeah. awful, you know. And, and I get it a little bit. I understand, you know. You know how many times sure, has someone? Still, I get, I get know, it. I know. I mean, you, you, you do. You get sometimes you're harassed, or your wife's calling you, or something's going yeah, on, yeah, and you're not yeah. in a good mood. Like we all get bad days, but really, it takes you know two seconds to put a scribble on on something for somebody and make their day. Well, I got and it sounds like I'm a weirdo, but I, I got all you guys' signatures that oh, night, cool. and you guys were all. I mean, cool. Damon, lovely. Every, every yeah. one of you guys we're, was fantastic. You guys were fantastic. Thank you. We're we're very lucky in that, you know, um, we are a good bunch of guys. We get on with each other very well. Mm-hmm. There's great chemistry there. We're great friends. Mm-hmm. We we talk to each other when we're off the road. 
That's and, nice. And we socialize when we're on the road. You know, it's not like we get a day off and everybody goes to their hotel room and right. bounce down the hatches and goes, you know, see, see the gig tomorrow. You know, it's like the phone call, where are we going for dinner tomorrow night? You know, so we hang and, and that's... That's how it should that, be, that, I think. That's, that's great. You know, I mean, you know, maybe we're the last gang in town, certainly maybe the oldest gang in town, but I mean, we certainly got that mentality. Well, we were talking about, we, we mentioned the Ramones earlier. I heard that Joey and Johnny didn't, didn't even talk for the last 10 years. No, I think that that went back from, even from what I gather from Johnny stealing Joey's girlfriend. Yeah. He ended up marrying. Yes. And being with, and I think they only talked when it was business. And you know, and that would be a hard one. Yeah. That's a pretty tough one. It's tough being on the road when somebody has an issue or somebody's not playing the game or somebody mm-hmm. is bringing their mood swings or yeah. bringing baggage out. There's nothing worse because that one guy will affect, you know, it's the same in the family. You yeah. One person that's, you know, the black sheep, it's, it's going to hit everybody, you know? Yeah. That, would, that guy would be me. <laughs> I'm the black sheep in my family just because I moved to California. Oh, my, the whole family still lives in the hometown, right, right? Within like two miles of each other. Sure. Everyone, oh, my family's the same. So the same. Let's uh, let's hear another song off Tattoos and Alibis. Uh, this is also you change your look a little bit. You get you you, you get the short hair on yep. these. Uh, was this intentional? Did you did you try not? I mean, I'm not saying that you didn't make a rock album. But it's it's just so different from what you did with the Almighty. Was that intentional? Yeah, there was no point in doing the, the same, same thing. thing. Right? You know, I'd done it. I'd I'd, I'd made six albums with the Almighty, yeah. and and I kind of got it out of my system. And you know, Joe said to me, "You're going to sing." He says, "I know you can sing. I've heard you, you know, goofing about on the guitar and singing." He says, "You're going to sing," and I went, "Okay." And and we decided to go for a complete different approach. You know, obviously still keep it rock and roll, yeah. but but you know, instead of using a the sort of big mallet to hit you over the head with it. And right. The aggression, it was like a smaller hammer just repeatedly bashing you over the head, you know? That's the only <laughs> way I can kind of describe it, you know? Well, it works. Let's hear, uh, let's hear the song, uh, let's hear Enemies. Everybody's different But I could be changing Everybody's younger Well, I've started aging To say I told you so When you're lying all alone at night you know Here's to your enemies Enemies Be sure that you wish them All the best from me Ricky, do you have uh, if you had, do you have one in, do you have someone that's like a, the biggest influence, or do you who are some of your your musical influences? Um, wow, I mean, like I said, Jake Barnes and stuff, Little Fingers, Phil, yeah. Phil Lynott, okay. obviously. You said um, Rory Gallagher, Rory Gallagher, um, you know, Motorhead, Ramones, ACDC, Joe Strummer from the Clash, Springsteen, Johnny Cash, um, Steve Earle. Some of the stuff on the uh, on on your new one of your new solo albums reminds me of some Springsteen stuff. Stuff on right. the Hearts Hearts on Trees album. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I was listening to that. I'm all right with that. <laughs> and uh, it, so much so that on the drive down here today, I, I listened to uh, Greetings from Asbury Park. Great. It just made me. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna pull out some. I just uh, think Bruce. Bruce is phenomenal. I think he is what every rock and roller should aspire to be. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that guy is 63 years old. And goes up there and plays his heart out yeah. for three over three hours every night, 
and you get little kids and these but hey, you know we've got three shows in a row and you know, what are you going to play for an hour and it's just the worst joy. And I, was like, I hate that that really is what for me when I go to a show that's what separates uh, people that are, are aging well and people yeah. who aren't like when I go see Rush yeah they play as hard as they've ever played when I saw I did, when I saw ACDC a couple of years ago yep I, I was like yep. how could these guys have been any better in 1980 yeah. as they are right now this is amazing yeah. That's the way it should be, as, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you people pay good money to see you play. Mm-hmm. You should be you should play your heart out every night and give and give everything. And, and and Bruce does that and more. And he looks phenomenal. He looks amazing. He looks better than I. He looks better now than I've ever looked in my life. <laughs> um, what is? Uh, have you heard, speaking? Have you heard the uh, the new ACDC album? Rock I've Bust? heard the the two tracks that. They, they put out with the two videos yet. I haven't actually got the album. It yet. is a killer album. I'm going to check. I it mean, out, it's definitely. it's it's real tight too. It's 11 songs. It's like 35 minutes. Great. And everything is a boom, 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 boom. Great. Just every single one has yeah. a riff. It's a real in shame. What you know, the, the, the stuff that they're they're going through. Obviously, I, yeah. I, Malcolm Young was phenomenal guitar player. Would be a big influence on yeah. me as a, as a rhythm guitar player. I think there's nobody better. Well, that's another reason why these the guys, uh, you know, you know, you need to enjoy it is because Malcolm Young. There, there's nothing he could do no, to, no, to stop this from yeah you, you to know. stop that from happening to him. It's sad. And I see that with Scotty, you know, and and um, we're almost like we look after him, you know. Mm-hmm. Scott's sixty three, yeah, and uh, you know we, we we make sure he's okay, and you know, and he's he's in great shape for his age. Scott, he still plays great. And, God damn it, he's got that full head of hair too. That son of a bitch, you know, right? I always say Scott's <laughs> Scott's a real rock star. He's yeah. got the swagger. Mm-hmm. You know, he's lived in London for, for um, over 40 years now, but you swear he just left Glendale yesterday. Yeah, right, he's you from know, here. Yeah, you know, and, and he's got the attitude and the sneer, and he, he's, he's, he's got it all, you know, and he still plays phenomenally. Yeah, I just saw, I saw Chrissy Hind a couple of weeks ago, and she was fantastic. Oh, I mean, she, yeah. she's, a, she's a fucking rocker. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, you know what, since we're talking about singing, you brought the guitar, uh, I was glad you did. And um, let's sing something. Not me. All right. Maybe you and Kyle can do now. Uh, <laughs> you, so you want to play something off one of the new albums? I'd love to if that's okay. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. perfect. Let's get this. Let's, uh, I want people to get these. No Where can we get it? So let's, let's do well, you a quick know what? plug. The moment you, you actually can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did a campaign, like a Kickstarter thing. It's right. called Pledge Music, which was, was great and was very successful. And, 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 and I did it. Thank you. And the people that, that pledged made it happen. They made me make these two albums the way I want it, how I want it without having to watch the clock Yeah, with no record company involved. And it was a real wonderful and, and, and truly beautiful experience, you know, just, just doing it that way. The pledge is now closed, um, but we are going to put the albums on general release very soon. Okay. So everybody will be able to, to get them. And the two albums are uh, When Patsy Cline Was Crazy and Guy Mitchell Sang the Blues. Yep. That's the rock album. That's the one, yep. And then the more acoustic-based album is Hearts on Trees. Yep, that's it. All right. Uh, I'll let you grab the guitar, get set up, and we'll we'll do this. So uh, this song, um, Pat, is called Tank McCulloch Saturdays. Now, Tank McCulloch was a soccer player whose name was Billy Tank McCulloch. Okay. And he played for Glenn Torrin in the uh, late 60s and early 70s. And he played center half, which for those of you that aren't familiar with soccer, is he's a back. And he's basically the last man. So when the attack's coming through, he's there. He's the first line of defense before they, they hit the goalkeeper. All right. And he was notorious. He was a tank. He was built like a tank. He was fearless. He was a hero of mine when I was a kid when I used to watch Glenn Torn. What was even more 
cool about it was I actually went to school with his son, Patrick. Nice. Patrick. Patrick oh, McCulloch. Here you go. It's an Irish name. And uh, I, I wrote this song with a really, really good friend of mine, a guy called Sam Robinson, who um, is from the same area of Northern Ireland as me, and we're both Glen Torn fans. And we were just talking about growing up in East Belfast and the things that used to matter to us mm-hmm. when we were kids, about going to watch the team play when we were young. Stuff in the 70s that shows are on TV that you can't get now, food that you can't get now. Yeah. Just, you know, that's really what inspired the song. So uh, that's it. All right, let's hear it. All right. It's raining on the Mersey, on the Sawway, on the Dee. When all the streets had made me the man I came to be. The old boys at the Eastern, the ghosts of Desert Rats. The boiler suited sports coats, matching. Season heads, and I won't cry no more. No, I won't cry no more. For everyone I ever needed, everyone I ever believed in, I won't cry no more. Faces in front room flames were all my heroes. Tag McCulloch Saturdays would never be the same. Walking down the Newtonards Road, singing to myself. Boot you side of shoe shine, players on the shelf. And I won't cry no more. No, I won't cry. Everyone I ever needed For everyone I ever believed in I won't cry no more Friday tea delivered in sea salt, sodden brown From a village near Jerusalem On the road that led to town The Everlist sing harmonies With the choir inside my soul And the sleep that runs into my eyes Baptizes through the cold And I won't cry no more No, I won't cry no more For everyone I ever needed For everyone I ever believed in I won't cry no more No, I won't cry no more I won't cry no more For everyone I ever needed 
Thank you. That was fantastic. Thank you. That alone, that performance, just that is going to move some albums when these things oh, come thank out. Thank you very much. Uh, I do want to tell you, uh, people, that uh, these uh, the other albums that we've talked about, the Ricky Warwick albums, are on iTunes. That's a great thing about – that's one good thing about music now because the physical copies are out of print. Sure. But you can still get stuff on iTunes, if which is st- cool. As long as people can get it. Right. And they pay for it. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it means that we keep being able to do what we do and make a living and, and pay our bills and, and create and be an artist. Yeah. How is the what, what's the royalty rate like on iTunes? Do you do you see? And I don't want to figure, obviously, but do you do you see movement? Do you do you get a check? You know, it's you you do. It's not it's not a lot. A lot of the most of the money, to be honest with you, is is in touring and, and merchandise. Right, right. Um, you know, when you think that we're paying, I don't ten ninety nine, nine ninety nine, twelve ninety nine for for albums on iTunes. Yeah. They've not really gone up in the last 15 to 20 no, years. No, no. And some and back th- catalog stuff has gone down, too. You think how much the cost of living has gone up. Yeah. Um, the, just the money, the industry isn't there, and the money isn't there anymore. Um, you know, there's no, the whole record company structure where you, you, you signed a deal, as we did with the Almighty back in the day. We, we did the demo tape. We, we signed it to a major record label. We were able to quit our jobs. Yeah. And get an advance from the label mm-hmm. to, to try and establish the band so we could work at it full time. Most, pretty much, I'd say 95% artists don't get that luxury anymore unless, no. you're, unless you're a pop artist. So you've got to try and tour, hold down a job, yeah. and, and be creative. And, you know, it's, it's not easy. I mean, who's, kids. Who's, the last, what, who's the last major rock band that was able to be gigantic is maybe the Foo Fighters. Probably, yeah. You know, and yeah. it's... Uh, I mean, iTunes is like the best and worst thing for for music. All at the same time, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. It's it's tough. I love it, and then I hate it for other reasons. Sure, but, you know, we we've talked about it in Black Star Writers. We're not going to moan about it. It is what it is. Right. You're not going to change it. I, you know, it's not going. It's not going to disappear. So we'll try and embrace it. You know, if it means we got to, you know, move put stuff up on YouTube every other day, we'll we'll do that. Yeah. If it means we got to, you know. Package the album differently or whatever it takes. Yeah. We just got to move with the times and that's it. You know, things change. Everything changes. Right. Exactly. Uh, well, that was fantastic. That, that, was, a, that was amazing. <laughs> uh, let's hear a song, Kyle. Um, let's hear a song off of uh, the next solo album, which is Love Many, Trust Few. And uh, I think I might like this one better, this album better than Alibis and Tattoos. All right. Speaking of tattoos... You, you got you, you look you look like you're in Motley Crue with this with the with the couple of sleeves. How long? What was your first tattoo? The first one was done. Sorry, I'm just putting a guitar. Sure. First one I got done uh, by a guy called Mickey Sharps in in Birmingham in England. Mickey's uh, was a world famous tattoo. Okay. A few years uh, tattoo artist, but he now makes tattoo guns. He's, he makes a lot wow. of the guns that tattoo artists would use all over the world. And he did my first one on my shoulder. I had a a bad Indian ink one which I did in school is, mm-hmm. you know you get a bit wayward I wanted that covered up Okay, uh, and that was the bug uh, you know suddenly it was like oh you know I better get one in the other arm to balance it you up you balance it out you know it was a rock and roll thing I just I loved that whole look and that whole idea it was pure vanity I was yeah. like you know I was fascinated by tattoos and you know when was the last time you got a tattoo um, about two years ago so, you, so you're still you're not done I think I'm you know I, I think I am done now uh-huh. um, I'm kind of running out of skin but uh, <laughs> it doesn't hold the same fascination for me anymore I'm just at a point now where I, I've got everything I think that I need I need to get and uh, I always talk about this um, 
Do you, do you think you're like, I don't know if, if your kids will have tattoos because well, that's what my, my mom and dad have tattoos. Sure, so I don't, sure. so it might skip a generation. Do any, do your kids, uh, well, obviously um, they're young. Well, well, my stepson, his, his father is a tattoo artist. Oh, okay. So he's, well. he's screwed. <laughs> <laughs> he, he already wants to be a tattoo artist. So I, I think that's a, a given right there. You know, I've told my daughters though. I said, look, I don't, I don't really care if you get a tattoo. Just please don't get those big discs. In right, your, in oh, your right, earlobes. Right, right. That's the old film. I, personally, I don't dig those either. I don't, no. I don't really, you know, I, listen, if you're a tribe in Africa and that's part of your right. culture and your religion, that's great. Right. But here in the, the Western Hemisphere, I don't really see what purpose they serve. I, I don't, I don't get so, it. I personally, I don't find them attractive. I don't either. You know, and hey, then, I, I've got my ears pierced. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's fine. Cool, it's fine, but you know. And pierce your nose, pierce your lip, yeah. whatever. But those things are, that's where, that's where this old man draws the line. Yeah, I'm afraid I'll fall in as well. All right, let's hear, uh, let's hear uh, Johnny or Elvis from Love Many, Trust Few. Of course, that song's about Johnny Rotten and Elvis Costello. Johnny Cash. I know. <laughs> Sorry, duh. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, that, uh, th- this album was also co-produced by Joe Elliott. Yeah. And Vivian Campbell plays some guitar on that song. That seemed like the perfect fit when they got Vivian in there. When they, he's, they yeah, had he's to re- great. You know, yeah. I'm obviously, I'm you know, a Northern Irish boy. Right. So. Bias, but Vivian's a hell of a guitar player. Oh, he's amazing. Um, and uh, a great guy. And, yeah, I think he was, you know... Steve Clark was so phenomenal, and it's funny we're having this conversation on the anniversary of Steve's, yeah. Steve's death. Yeah, um, that's why I, I fell in love with Def Leppard. It was Steve Clark because he had the Les Paul down his knees, yep. the showmanship, and that's why I wanted to, you know, Steve Jones and Steve Clark. I wanted the white Les Paul, and um, but I think Viv was an inspired choice. Yeah, it was, uh, and, and the way you you say that the the guys in Black Star Riders get along. I, I mean, as an outsider, I feel like that's probably how the guys in Def Leppard are, are, they, they, they are buddies. Great. I mean, they've been through so much. Yeah, there's been a lot of you know with all the success that band's had. There's obviously been a lot of a lot of you know rough times as well. Yeah, with with, with Rick and you know with, with with Steve and stuff like that. So. And Vivian too. And with, Vivian too. Yeah. Vivian's just gone through obviously. Um, so they're they're close knit and they they're there for each other and that's good to see. I mean, that's why they've been together you know, almost forty years. Yeah, know? we just saw them a couple of months ago open for uh, Kiss at the Forum right. and they were phenomenal. Oh, they always put on a great show. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And um, yeah, just uh, a, a, any band that's drummer loses an arm and it's not even a thought that he's going anywhere tells you about what those guys must be like. Well, I think you know. In, in all honesty, it, it does, and, and I think Joe would be the first to admit that he 
deep down inside I thought, well, how's Rick going to come back from this? Yeah. You know, he, when Rick said, you know, give me a chance, I think they were all like, well, how are you going to do it? You know, <laughs> well, of course, it, because that's what anyone would how say. How is this going to work? Right. You know, as you would, but they didn't go, no, 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 no. It's, you know, you're out of your mind. It's, right. it's not going to happen. We need to get somebody else and, you know, thank you. And yeah. we always love you. But, you know, they were like, okay, you know, take some time. Make it work. It, make it work. And let's go. And I think that just speaks volumes of, of yeah. what type of guys they are, that they stood by him. And, and, uh, and then, you know, obviously Rick, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I've, I've um, been lucky enough to, to, when I did some of those shows and I traveled with the guys on, on the tour buses and um, I traveled one night with, with Phil Collin and, and Rick yeah. Allen on their bus. And Rick has a... Uh, and was Phil Collin, was he just doing uh, push-ups and sit-ups the whole time? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Kickboxing, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Rick had a, has a, a, he's in his drum circles and he had the drum thing set up in the back of the lounge of the bus. Yeah. And uh, we went back there and he like, handed me a pair of bongos and we're sitting there and he puts on his African drum music. And of course you're kind of like, oh man, this is, this is kind of lame. Four hours later, you know, head, head <laughs> still down, doing it. Still doing it. And I'm watching him and he's, you know, playing some maracas in his feet. Yeah. Tambourines on the floor. He's got bongos going. He's got all these different rhythm going on. And just unbelievable. Yeah. You know? Just the, the coordination oh. that, that he must, but that any drummer has, but now better even than, more so. Better than a lot of drummers, you know, that, yeah. that, 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 that have all their limbs. And, and he's, he's phenomenal. And at this point, he's been playing with Def Leppard longer with, with, with only one arm than he yeah. had with, with two. Yeah. Which is amazing. No, it's... And... and it's, this wasn't on my notes. This no, just came know, up or, and, and, organically. And when, you, when you spend a lot of time with, with Rick, you don't, you don't even think about, hey, this guy's only he's got an arm. You don't even notice it after a while because he's so adept at just mm-hmm. being who he is and, and what he is and just getting on with it. And I met, I met him uh, at a heart concert at the Universal Amphitheater backstage. And uh, I just went up and said, you know, I, I'm a fan and can I get a picture? And so he, he just leaned, you know, he leaned the arm yeah. The, the side where he doesn't have an arm, he leaned right in, not self-conscious, yeah. not just here it is, and we it was yeah. it's, it's uh, it was great. It was really nice. Great, no, great guys, and and uh, you know, uh, like you said, they're they're very close knit, and they've definitely got each other's backs. That's great. You know, that's that's what a band should be. I think. Um, after uh, so, you haven't heard this. You haven't heard the music I'm playing in a long time. Is what you're telling me? Um, some of it, you know, I certainly haven't heard the Almighty stuff in a while. But the solo stuff, solo you've heard stuff a little bit. I, I usually before I do a solo gig, I'll, I'll have a listen through the albums yeah. just to reacquaint myself. With Is that where stuff. the set list will come from, or a solo gig? It's everything. M- most I mean, it's, everything. It's, it's Lizzie, Black Star Riders, solo stuff, some strange, wonderful covers in mm-hmm. there as well. Well, let's touch on the on, on the on the other solo album, uh, Belfast Confetti. Let's hear. I uh, can't wait for tomorrow. That's not what you're feeling right now, being here. Um, 
Well, that was in 2009, so now we're going to move into your uh, fronting uh, Thin Lizzy. So tell us a little, how does, this, how does this come about? Scott, you said earlier, Scott gives you a call. Yeah, I, I had a, a preempt that Scott was going to call. Mm-hmm. Um, what had happened is a great friend of mine called Alan Parker who makes music documentaries. Okay. He's, he's done, I think he's just done a kiss one. He's on one for Status Quo and known him for years. And Alan had been talking to uh, our manager, who wasn't obviously our manager, my manager at the time, a guy called Adam Parsons. And he said, look, uh, Scott's putting Thin Lizzy back together um, again because John Sykes had left. Right. And, you know, um, and your name is in the frame. You might be getting a call. And then Joe Elliott called me and said... Because he's a huge Thin Lizzy fan. They'd been in his studio. Joe was working on the Lizzy remaster. Yes. And Scott and Brian Downey, Brian, the original drummer, had been in the studio, and, and they were talking about putting the band back together. And Joe said, look, I, I mentioned your name, and Scott, eyes lit up, and you know he seemed to uh, think it was a good idea. So... I got a phone call from Adam Parsons, who's, who's now my manager, but wasn't at that time. He was obviously Scott's manager. And he said, Scott's very keen for you to do this. Um, uh, he said, but, you know, I've only really heard you from the Almighty, and, and I, I'll be honest, I don't think you can do this. And I said, well, that's fair enough. I said, if, yeah. you, only, if you only heard the Almighty, then, then you will think that, because right. it's... I said, listen, I grew up on Phil. I, you know... I know the stuff. I can sing the stuff. Um, but I'll tell you what, I'm playing, I had a show. I was opening for Cheap Trick at the House of Blues in, in Sunset. And I said to Adam, I said, come along. I'm doing a solo acoustic show. Come and see me play. It's just me and the guitar. I said, you'll know straight away if I'm the right guy for, right. to do this. And that's fine. If I'm not, we'll, we'll both know. It's, it's no problem. You know? And I said, Look, one thing I'm not going to do is I'm, I'm not going to audition against five or six other people. It's just you know, either... I do it and I get it, or I, I do it and I don't. So that's, I don't, a, that's, I don't, a, that's a ballsy move. Oh. Well, you know, I think you know because I knew I, I knew Scott. And I just didn't want to be go through that whole not humiliation, but you know, I I would you know I was at this point I was forty four years old. I wasn't. Didn't you don't need to be on American Idol to exactly sing that's what was going through yeah. my head. So Adam came to the show. It was a great it was a great show, and he came back afterwards and he said, "I absolutely thank you." would be the right guy to do this. And, Did you uh, throw a Thin Lizzy song in the set? I didn't, know. Right. Um, Just curious. And then Scott called me on the Monday. And I sort of had to pretend that I didn't know he was going to call. <laughs> so it was like, you know, hey, it's, how's the kids? How's the family? You know, what's, going, what's the weather like over there? And I'm like, just ask me the question. Know, but, Scott, you know, how'd you get my number? You know, and, and he just said, hey, you know, I'm putting the band back together and we think you'd be a pretty good mm-hmm. fit. You know, what do you say? And, and you know, my heart was just, bursting out of my chest and I said yes straight away and we talked a bit about what he wanted to perceive I said do you want me to play bass and sing he said no I want to try and give it a slightly different look I don't want it to be too much of a you know a a cartoon of itself as it were Um, he said I just don't want you to sing if you want to play a bit of guitar that's that's fine Um, so we talked and and we arranged to meet Uh, I was going to be over in London in a couple of weeks time we arranged to meet and I put the phone down and phoned my wife straight away and just said, uh, you'll never guess what happened. <laughs> and she's like, what did you say? I said, what do you think I said, you know? And I talked to her a bit and, and she was really cool because I said to her, I said, look, if for one, because, you know, once I put the phone down, it's suddenly, it's, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. This is Thin Lizzy. This is 
in my opinion, the greatest rock and roll frontman in the world. And I'm just agreed to... To fill in for him. To fill in for him, you know? And I said to my wife, sorry, Pat, I said to my wife, I said, if for one second this ever doesn't feel right, I'm not going to do it. That's probably a good call. You know, and she said, I understand. And then the second call I made was to um, a, a very old friend of mine, a guy called Dell James, who works for, for Guns N' Roses. And Dell's been with Guns N' Roses since the start. And Dell and I have been buddies for a long, long time. He's a huge Lizzie fan. Mm-hmm. But he's very truthful. Yeah. And he would say, don't do it. Right. Or do it. And he said, you absolutely have to do this. He said, even if you go to London and you do the one rehearsal and it doesn't work out, you've got to play with Thin Lizzie right. for, for three hours. And I went, you're right. And it's... Uh because you don't want to taint the legacy. Not at all. Because, I mean, they, they, did, they were out with John Sykes. Yeah. And, uh, but Sykes was on the Thunder and Lightning album, so he was, he was in the he band legitimately it. with Absolutely. Phil. Absolutely. But now you're, you're a totally new presence. Yeah. And John's great. Yeah. John's a great player and a great singer. Yeah. He should do more. You know, and he, he should be out there more. He, he was, he was, like you said, he's part of the legacy. Yeah. I, I wasn't. And I knew, I knew it was going to put a lot of people's uh, noses out of joint, mm-hmm. but... I knew that I could bring something to it. I yeah. knew how I wanted to do it. I always say that I never wanted to stand in those shoes. All I ever want to do is stand beside them. And that's what I try and do every night is stand beside them. That's a good way to put it. That's and, great. And, and, and sing those songs the way we all know and love them with as much passion and fire as Phil would have. Yeah. But that's where it ends. I don't want to get up there and play the bass and pull a move. Do his moves. and No, not, not at all. He's... He's, he's Phil Lennon, for God's sake. You know, he's, when, I, when I close my eyes and think of Thin Lizzy, I don't see Thin Lizzy with me singing. Mm-hmm. I see him with Phil. Yeah. And that's the way I'll always see it. And that's the way it should be. All I'm doing is, is keeping those songs alive. Now, when you sing these Thin Lizzy songs, though, you, you really sound like the songs we just played, mm-hmm. you don't sound like Phil. Right. Are you try, how does that work? Are you trying? Like, I don't want to say, are you doing a Phil imitation? Well, you, well, you kind but, of are, because I mean, I'm, if, I'm sure you're the same. If I went to see Thin Lizzy and there was some guy singing and he was singing in a style and a. A tone that was—he was singing in tune and singing the songs right, but it didn't. But it didn't sound, sound like, like Phil. It's like I want my money back. Yeah, and, but do you mind? I mean, it it's, was the best. It's great. It's, first of all, look, it's great. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So that's what I want to tell you. you. I'm not. You. I'm not trying to uh, I, sure, pull the you. rug out from under you. I'm. I'm just. Thank you. I'm interested because you you do a great job. You yeah. really sound like Thank like you. when I if I close my eyes, it's Thin Lizzy. Well, thank you. I. Uh, you know, I just immersed myself in, in, in Phil even mm-hmm. more. I read, every, I read his poetry books. I read as much of one as I could. I, um, you know, I had six months to get it together. We did the rehearsal in London. Obviously, I got the gig, and, and, and then we had six months to the first show. Yeah. And it was a case of learning the lyrics backwards. Mm-hmm. I didn't want any auto cues, anything like that. So, you know, we had the 24, 25 songs that Scott said, that's what you got to learn. Okay. So I went, I learned them, and I mean, it was like, they were stuck on the fridge, they were stuck on the staircase, <laughs> you know, driving my little girl to school in the morning, we're yeah. singing along, the boys are back in town together. And, you know, like, like I said, my wife works for a record label, she's always bringing home new stuff, and she's going, hey, check this. I didn't listen to anybody but Thin but Lizzie, Lizzie, you know, for six months. I was going to the gym, going for a run, it was on the phones, it was, it was just, and I, I've never learned so much, I, I mean, you know, I joke about this, but I mean it in the, with all respect, and I spoke from a dead man in my life. I mean, Phil's taught me more made me a better singer, mm-hmm. a better guitar player, and a better frontman. And that's from beyond the grave, you know. I mean, just listening to him, studying his phrasing, watching countless videos of just his attitude and his deliverance and, and all the little, you know, 
little Phil Philisms I call me puts yeah. in the songs. Because Phil's got a great unique way of singing. He doesn't anybody would write a verse and it'd be na 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 second verse, same as the first verse. Yeah. Same same cadence. Phil's like a jazz singer. He's cramming words in, he's going off at different it's like Van Morrison always yeah. does the same thing. Oh that's a good comparison. I never and, thought about that. And uh, and that's tricky to get down. Mm. And I you know, I really wanted to to make sure I had it, you know, as close as I, I as I as I could I felt was comfortable for the people to come and see yeah. on for me, you know. And who was in the line who's in the lineup at that point? That point was uh Brian Downey. Such a great drummer. You know, who started Thin Lizzy with yeah. Phil. I mean they went to school together in Crumlin yeah. in Dublin. Scott Gorham, obviously. From the class, I mean, Scott's in the classic yeah, lineup, you know, but from, Brian's been there yeah, from the beginning. I think Scott's in from, was in from Nightlife onwards, wasn't he? Yep, yep. Um, and then Darren Wharton, who came in, um, Chinatown, I think Darren came yeah, in. Yeah, and he was on Renegade. Yeah, so yeah. Darren was there. And then we had Marco Mendoza on bass, mm-hmm. wonderful Marco Great. Mendoza. And, uh, it's also on the first Black Star Riders and, album. And Vivian Campbell played guitar on that first tour as well. Oh, nice. That's a good lineup. You know, and it was, it was, it was amazing to be with these wonderful musicians. And we didn't know it was supposed to be one tour. Yeah. Did they try to get uh, one of the other guitarists that was in the band? I think there was talk of, of, of Brian yeah. at some point, but I, I think Brian was, wasn't too well at that point. Okay. And, and, and so that never really fortunately came together, which would have been, been great. Um, but there was just, it was a case of let's do one tour and then see how it goes. And, and to be honest, within three or four shows, the, the rest of the year was booked up. Mm. Did you play? Because I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't see Thin Lizzy. Did you guys play the states? We opened for Judas Priest. Okay. in two thousand eleven, which was fantastic. Well received. A lot of fun. Yeah, really good. Um, how come you guys didn't put out a live album? We have. Um, what we have? There's a couple of live albums. You go to Amazon from from the couple of London shows we played. I did not know this. Yeah, if you go to Amazon, I think they're on iTunes as well. Well, how do I know? That makes it seem like I don't know my shit. No, that's all right. <laughs> well, now yeah. I got to go in. I mean, I'm thinking they're released here in the States. I'm sure they're released worldwide. Uh-huh. Um, we did, there's two, there's two from. Well, I'm going to go. Are you looking that up, Kyle? Yeah. Yeah, do something, Kyle. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, because, uh, you know, I'm such a, do you have a favorite Thin Lizzy album? Uh, you know, it's, it's. I'm probably like you. This, they're all great, but I, if I was forced, it would be Black Rose. Yeah, that's I mean, I love Gary. so phenomenal. I think Gary and Scott together. I mean, but, you know, Rob and Scott together are amazing, but I just love Gary and Scott. I know, Gary's just there for that one album. Yeah, and I mean, do, I mean, do anything you want to do. I've got the, the first verse tattooed in my leg. <laughs> there you the, go. The lyrics, you know, because that song was so inspiring to me as a kid. And then when I got, you know, the Lizzie gig, obviously there was the naysayers. Mm-hmm. I would go and listen to that to remind yeah. myself of Phil going, "Hey, you know, don't listen to what people say." You know, did you? Uh, you want to do? Uh, did you have any say in the set list, or was Scott? No, Scott's great that way. Uh-huh. We, we had quite a lot of say. Scott wanted me to be very comfortable um, with the songs that we were doing. Um, the, the beauty of it is that um, I don't have a high voice, and neither did Phil. So yeah. the register was never a problem for me. So pretty much anything that Scott said, "Hey, you want to try this?" We could do it, and it was not like, "Well, I can't hit that note," or. Right or what have you, you know? Um, I mean, if, uh, which was lucky. Um, but he, you know, he he always said, "What do you think?" And and what songs would you like to do? And you know, obviously, you've got to do. There's twelve songs. That you yeah, there's twelve you got to do. Play every night. I mean, all, you know, all these bands have that. If you yeah. don't do one of these, people are going to be. Even if you do the other eleven, you don't do that twelfth one. That's it. I saw UFO uh, play at the Key Club uh, a couple years ago, and I think they just forgot it or something happened, but they did not play Lights Out. Oh. And my my buddy my friend goes, he didn't play lights out. I go, I don't know what I don't know what's going on, but wow. yeah, they didn't play it. Wow, 
which is which is yeah, weird. you know, it's, it would be criminal if we went out there and didn't play Jailbreak or Boys Are Back. Oh my, yeah, you can. Song. And we wouldn't want to. I love no. We love playing those songs. You know, who doesn't want to play the song that that gets people going the most, for better or worse? I mean, there's. I mean, I mean, I'm sure sometimes, like Cheap Trick might not want to play. I want you to want me. Sure. You know, and, and I'm okay if they didn't. But if they didn't play Surrender, yeah. I'd be pissed off. Yeah. Uh, would you mind playing a Thin Lizzy song for us? I, have, and, I will have a go. And then we're gonna then we're gonna jump in to this Black Star Riders. Okay. All right. All right, that's better. Better. Okay. Break somewhere in this town. See me and the boys, we don't like it. So getting up and going down. Hiding low, looking right and left. You see us coming, I think it's best. You move away, do you hear what I say from under my breath? Tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak.
That is, that is, it's such a great song, such a great album. Um, I don't even know how you follow up that, but we're going to try. So, so what happens is you guys, your tour, your tour is Thin Lizzy and then you guys want to make some music. Yeah. You know, everything goes extremely well. Mm -hmm. You guys are clicking. We're now suddenly playing, you know, 150 shows a year. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are asking us, are you guys going to write some new music? And a lot of people are going, don't write any music, but right. you're in a band with guys that are, are current and, and, and Damon Johnson's a great songwriter. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I'm a songwriter and, and, and Scotty writes, you know, so naturally as, as musicians and artists, you want to do something new. Right. So everybody gets really excited and we talk amongst ourselves and we think, well, you know, maybe, it, maybe it's time to do a, a, new, a new Thin Lizzy album. And this would be the, this would, this would be the first Thin Lizzy album in 30 of, years. without Phil. Without like Phil. They, they, never did it, they never did new material with John Sykes. No. This is going to be... This would be the first one. This would be the first one. Um, and uh, Brian and, and Darren, are they down for this? Initially, yes. Okay. Initially, everybody is down for it. And we start writing and... It progresses well, and obviously there's loads of label interest, and there's just loads of interest, as there, as, as there would be. Yeah, because when you have a name like that, when you have Thin Lizzy or, or Queen or anything like yeah. that, people want that. And initially, you know, selfishly, I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to be on a Thin Lizzy album. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm only human. That's what's going through my brain. Yeah. So as the writing goes on, obviously there's the pressure that comes with trying to write a Lizzie album that's going to stand up to the the great man and the albums that right. he wrote back in the day. Right, because it's one thing to sing his songs sure. and, and and do them justice, sure. and it's another thing to to try to yeah. to try to write the way he would. Yeah. So niggling doubt personally is is creeping into my mind. I'm suddenly going, hang on a minute, my my head's telling me this is great, but mm-hmm. my heart's starting to say this isn't a good idea. Yeah. This this could upset a lot of people. It could. You know, it, it just, it, I just start having a lot of doubts. Yeah. Some anxiety. Uh, yeah. And, and we, we continue working on some stuff. And I could sense that everybody was kind of having that, but nobody wanted to be the one to say it. Right. And then sort of finally, Scott and Brian just sort of came in and just said, look, you know, the stuff sounds great. It's not, we're not questioning that, but maybe we should just let the past be the past and, and let history stay as history. And, and, try and preserve that and not tarnish it. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was the elephant in the room. It was like, oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. You know? Big sigh of relief. And it was, it was, but, you know, in the same way, it was still kind of weird. You were still kind of upset because you realized that that chance had gone and, you know, I wasn't going to be on a Thin Lizzy album, but I was okay. But the fan in me was going, that's great. Um, and then Brian sort of said, look, you know, guys, we're doing a lot of shows, way more than I bargained we were mm-hmm. going to be doing. Um, I know Darren felt the same way as well. Um, we're just we're just on the road six months out of the year. Yeah. It's not what we thought this was going to be. Great as it is, yeah. So and for Brian, I mean, drumming is is uh, that's physical. Yes, Re- that's it is. really physical. It is. And Brian, I'm it, not saying playing guitar every night wouldn't isn't difficult, no, but, but you, we, you know what I mean. Well, you know, so Brian's very happy being back in Ireland. He plays in the blues band and going fishing. He's a very unassuming, quiet man. Right. 
and he's happy with that. Right. And I think Lizzie coming around again was just a bit of icing on the cake for Brian. Not that, I mean, don't get me wrong, he was passionate. Oh, know, sure, sure, you know. absolutely. Scott's a rock and roller. Scott will be like me. He'll, he'll die on stage with the boots on. We're, we're just cut from that mold. Right. We're, we're just too dumb to do anything else. That's what we do, you know? well, I don't know about that. So that sort of came up at the same time. And uh, I guess Scott and Damon and, and I just said, look, I, I said, Scott, these songs are too good not to just not do anything with. I said, we need to continue. I said, why don't we just change the name and, 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 and carry on? Yeah. And... Um, Scott was a bit hesitant at first, but he, he wanted to keep playing and he, he loved the songs. Uh, and one of the labels that came in, you know, certainly when we went to the labels and said, this is what we want to do, there's certainly four or five labels. Went, well, we're out of here. You know, right. It's nothing, Lizzie, you know. Oh, we don't have a T-shirt we can sell yeah, with the know, logo. But there was a great, there's a fantastic label who were signed to called Nuclear Blast. Yeah. And they got it. And there's, actually, there's a great story about this as well. The guy that signed this is a guy called Monty Connor. He's a great A&R guy. He was at Roadrunner, signed Slipknot. And, mm-hmm. All these guys, he's, he's, he's fantastic. He signed Black Star Riders to Nuclear Blast. But he was going to sign Thin Lizzy before we changed the name. He was, a, he was a no Phil, no Lizzy guy. Right. Adamant. I mean, just, I'm not interested. No matter how good you were, that's how he felt. Lizzy were phenomenal. They shouldn't be carrying on without Phil. I don't want to hear anything. And he was over in London, and another guy who works for um, Nuclear Blast called Mark Palmer had the demos. Yeah. And he was blasting in his office. And Monty walks past and goes, what's that? And Mark's like, it's the new Thin Lizzy demos. And Monty goes, shit, they're really good. <laughs> Which is great because, I mean, yeah. you can't get much more, uh, you know, a stamp of, of, of belief in, in what you're doing when somebody was so violently against it, yeah. hears the stuff and falls in love with it and, and ends up signing you. So that was a great shot in the arm for us. Uh, that, that Nuclear Blast stuck with us. A couple of the other labels did too, but Nuclear Blast stuck mm. with us um, through the name change. And um, you know, we we just decided, look, you know, we can we can still go out. We can yeah. play these new songs. We can play Lizzie songs. And, you know, and we'll just make it be known to the fans out there. And, and I'm sure most of them will come along for the ride. So now you need a drummer. Mm-hmm. So you get uh, Mr. Mr. DeGrumpo, <laughs> Jimmy DeGrassi. Yeah. So, uh, so you got Marco Mendoza. Yep, is on, uh, there's your rhythm section. Damon's still there. Scott's still there. You're there. No keys. No keys. No keys on stage. No. Um, and you record with uh, Kevin Caveman Shirley. Kevin Caveman Shirley, yeah. The Caveman because he's just always in the studio. Is he? Is that why they call I, I him that? I think so. You know, he's, maybe he, he's got like, he's, he's a little bit Neanderthal maybe in his uh, appearance. In his appearance. He's got long hair. So, Kevin, I love you, man. If you're listening to this, <laughs> no, Kevin. Yeah, you know, he was the. Everybody recommended Kevin to us, and obviously his work spoke from. I mean, he 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 did he did the uh, he did the Steve Perry Journey album, the comeback, and yep. then he did uh, and then he did an album with both of the subsequent singers, and then he, Iron Maiden, Joe Bonamassa, Joe Bonamassa. Um, you know. Did he do um, um, Black Country Communion? He did, yes. And he did an Aerosmith album. That's right. So you know, great pedigree. Yeah, there's you can't say that's not. So a, yeah, a, no, Jimmy. Jimmy guy. came in. Jimmy was suggested by Damon. Jimmy came in on drums. Obviously, we all knew who Jimmy was and mm-hmm. who he played with. And Jimmy's just, I mean, just a serious drummer. He is a monster. He's just unbelievable. You know, I love the way that guy plays drums. And we, you know, before we knew it, we were in with with Kevin in mm-hmm. in, in Sherman Oaks. Thousand Oaks, I'm sorry. Thousand Oaks. My, right, that's need, right, that's out. Get, that's out near my hood. I, I'm in Woodland Hills. Oh, right on. Yeah, I got to get my Oaks right. Um, and this recorded pretty quickly. Twelve days, like one song a day. You know, we'd done the demos to, to a pretty high standard, Pat. Yeah. So we gave 
almost what I'd call finished, complete songs to yeah. Kevin, and he just went, there's nothing I really want to change here. We just got to capture this, this attitude. The this best energy. performance we can get. And we, we, we brought our gear in, set up as if we were going to play a show. Kevin hit record. There was hardly any overdubs. I did all my vocals live. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, there was a few little guitar overdubs, a bit of backing vocals, bang, out of there. Yeah. You know, and it, I, I would ever like to record that way again. No, it was too quick. <laughs> uh, we probably never will. But for that record and for yeah. that time, it certainly served a purpose, and I think it, you know, it, it, was, it, it was a statement of intent, and I think the album sounds great. Yeah, I had, a, I had the deluxe edition. It's got a DVD on it, and the DVD said, you know, the making of, you know, uh, All Hell Breaks Loose, and I thought oh, this would be like a 10, 12-minute little thing. And so it's like a full yeah. hour or more of, of making. You guys are all interviewed. It's fantastic. Let's listen to, uh, this was the first single from that album. This is Bound for Glory, and I think uh, you, the first two lines you capture Phil so perfectly and I know you know you weren't trying to because it wasn't Thin Lizzy but it really is well you know it's funny I, I, you can tell the songs I think that were written for the Lizzy for Lizzy and mm -hmm. then when we changed the name there's three or four songs that came after and yeah. I can certainly tell the the sort of the weight being lifted off the shoulders yeah. and suddenly going okay well you know I don't need to adhere to this one kind of mm -hmm. path anymore you know well this is a great this, I tell people about this this album all the time because uh Every single song is good. Thank you. Every single one. It's, it's you know, I don't want to say all killer, no filler, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> so let's hear uh, Bound for Glory. My friend went with me to this show, uh, a good friend of mine, Mike Schmidt. He's a comedian. And um, I was trying to explain Black Star Riders to him. I said, well, it's, the, it's the Thin Lizzy touring band, but they now they recorded an album. And they, so we get there, and he's under the impression that it's going to be Thin Lizzy. Right. And I go, no, I didn't say it was Thin Lizzy. I said, it was the touring band. It's Black Star Riders. And he was like, he was like whatever. You know? And then you guys come out. And from the first song, he turns to me. He's a big dude. Sure. He turns to me and goes, Dude, <laughs> what the fuck? And I'm like, I told you. Yeah. And he was he was in for the whole oh, the whole way. That's awesome. And uh, and you guys opened that night. For, quite frankly, you guys should have closed. So that's all Thank I'm saying. I'm not going to say who the other band was, but you should you guys should have closed. Um, let's uh, let's hear Hey Judas too. From the this is uh, this is another song from All Hell Breaks Loose. Never 
whose idea was it for the uh, the album cover? Um, I think I got to take the credit for that. To be honest, um, explain. It's the side of a, like a bomber. Yeah, jet. you know, I wanted something that, as we all did, that was anthemic, that was going to look good mm-hmm. uh, as a tattoo on a T-shirt on the back of a jacket. I just, you know, my I've been pretty blessed with my career. The Almighty always had a great logo. Yeah, and, and so. It was one of those things where we're struggling, and uh, I watched something on the History Channel about, I think it was about, it was a documentary about Hell's Angels. Okay. And how they started out of the flight crews, in the, you know, the B-17 bombers from the Second World War. And one of the planes just had uh, All Hell Breaks Loose in the pinup girl. Oh, that's great. On the side of it, and I thought, well, that's, that's it. There's there a song, and there's an, album, there's an album cover. And so... Explain it to the guys, explain it to the management. Uh, we got in touch with um, Gil Evelyn, who's the, the, pin-up, the famous pinup artist from the, you know, the 40s and 50s. Obviously, he's no longer with us. We got in touch with his estate, and we got clearance to use one of his beautiful uh, pieces of art, and, uh, and that was it. You know, we stuck it on the side of the bomber. And, and the, uh, the album that's going to be coming out in February, you guys kept with the same theme. We did. We, we, we kind of... Well, we we got a few artists involved, and and some guys came up with some real amazing stuff, but just didn't do it for us. And then we just thought, look, you know, we've got a bit of a theme here. Um, we all love rock and roll. We all love the the rock and roll attitude and the whole vibe. And you know, the pinup girl thing is just it's timeless. It is, yeah. And the follow up album is called The Killer Instinct. Yeah. And it's got uh, it's got a pinup girl riding riding the bomb riding the bomb as as you can see the bomber banking away off the yeah. distance from the first album yeah 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 it's so Drop cool bomb and the girls she's you know she's she's riding down it's a bit and you know it's it's it looks great it's a little bit tongue in cheek it's a little bit you know, a bit yeah. of fun humor in there as well as well as, it know. reminded me like uh, when the when the second Boston album came out right. it was the, the the guitar spaceship is now oh now it's landing sure. you know it's, yeah. it's it's really cool thank you. So, uh, good job on the art. Yeah, I love the, I love the logo. I love the whole thing. Thank you very much. But uh, I'm probably, when we end tonight, I'm going to play out with The Killer Instinct. But before that, we have, uh, there's two new albums that you have out. Yes. Uh, how long did it take you to record these two albums? The two solo albums? Yes. Um, pretty quickly. The acoustic one, Hearts on Trees, mm-hmm. I recorded in four days. Wow. In, in Joe Elliott's studio in Dublin. Uh, with Joe Elliott and Ronan McHugh, who's been Joe and Def Leppard's longtime um, engineer, producer, yeah. and the front of house guy as well. Uh, uh, did it with their, it's done four days. That was, you know, real easy. Um, the electric one, um, when Patsy Klein, this crazy guy, Mitchell sang the blues, uh, it was about two weeks. Wow. Yeah. And so you recorded, you, you weren't like, you were doing, you were in rock mode and then you were in, well, you were in uh, acoustic did. mode and then yeah. rock mode. You, I did. Like- I, I, you had a break between, I mean, I've been working on these albums for about four years mm-hmm. and uh, I had a break uh, in the spring and just flew over to Dublin and, and, and got the Hearts and Trees one done. And then I actually recorded um, when Patsy Klein was crazy here in Los Angeles mm-hmm. in, in so, July. So your success with Black Star Riders doesn't automatically afford you uh, uh, People are like, you know, how do I want to say this? I know what you're trying to say. Yes, I, but I can't say it without sounding like a dick. Well, it's but one, um, you know, it's one of those things when when Keith Richards or Mick, Mick Jagger puts out a solo record, right? They're not going to be going out playing to eighty five thousand people like the Stones are every night. In no. fact, you know, and I think that's, Mick, Mick played here at the El Ray when he had his solo album. And I, I think whatever reason or why that is, I I don't know. But, yeah, um, I don't really think about it. It's something that I have to do and I want to do. Right. And if I sell. 10,000 copies, I'm a very happy man. And, uh, but the way you decided to get these albums 
to the public is tell us a little bit about you know I just knew that the way record labels are right now that it was such an ambitious idea that if I'd gone to them I wouldn't have been afforded the budget to make the albums right. I want I mean every penny from that pledge went into the artwork you know um, and, and into recording those mm-hmm. albums and the website the website where people pledged was it's called music it's called pledge, pledge music pledge music yeah. not music pledge pledge music and uh, it's it's kind of like it, it's kind of like Kickstarter. It, it's very similar. Yeah, same thing. Same, same. Uh, same and you have inc- You had incentives. Incentives every week. I'd give a f- you know free update. I'd play acoustic songs yep, live. Very nice exclusives. You know, f- it's, it's their album. They made it. You know, all you're doing is paying for the album up front, but you right. own it, and you afford. They afforded me the time and the luxury to go. I can spend two weeks making this mm. and do it right because you guys supported me. I think it's fun because the updates were the updates were it's fun. Great, you're cutting out the record company, you're cutting out the middleman. You're you're dealing with the people who supported you and believed in you from from way back. Yeah, and, and they feel part of it. Um, and you know, a, you know, when people pay for it up front, they really like you and they really want exactly. to hear music from you. Exactly, you know, and it it was really successful. I would never have got the freedom, the budget, or anything yeah. off off a record company to go and make those two albums. I'd have been able to make one ten track album. That would have been it, right? Know? And I like I like that you did a, an all rock and an all acoustic. I think right. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, let's yeah. hear something. Let's hear celebrate sinking. Celebrating. Oh my god, I can't even say it. <laughs> celebrating sinking. That's it. From yeah, this is a long song. This is a long. Uh, is a long album title. It is. It's a. It's a. It's not the shortest album title. When Patsy Cline was crazy, some people say that that would have been good right there. Yeah. But no, no, no. And Guy Mitchell sing, sang the blues. But go ahead, let's. Let's hear uh, Celebrating Sinking. Look at that, still a broken heart. Death of glory tattooed on your arm. No better faith than wounded faith. These hometown blues still make you smile. You're scared of winning, afraid of trying. Treading on the heels of your own blues. How do you decide when you're writing a song now, oh, this, this should be a solo song and not a, a Black Star Rider song? Oh, it's funny you ask that question. I, uh, I played some of this stuff to Damon. And he's like, hey, what the fuck? He, why Why he, he, you're he not went, giving this to us? He went quiet. <laughs> and this is before we were just writing, the, you know, the Killer Instinct. Yeah. And I was like, dude, don't worry. I got, you know, I got, I got stuff, I got for, stuff for us, you know. <laughs> and that was really sweet of him. But I, I think there's maybe a couple of songs might have been, I think, I could have pushed for Black Star Riders. Yeah. But I think the solo stuff has got its own identity. It's certainly, yeah. I think, you know, Patsy Klein has got a little bit more of a, I hate to use the word, but punkier edge yeah. than Black Star Riders. And uh, the the lyric subject is different. I mean, uh, in, uh, pretty much both these albums are about growing up in, in Northern Ireland, yeah, and and experiences from from that. So, you know, you you just know. Cool. Just I uh, yeah, and these just these just uh, these just dropped like last week. Is that when yeah, we, we got I the downloads? Just, just um, I think it was uh, December fifteenth. So, so I don't know them. Ago. I don't know them inside and out yet, but I do know that this title track. Is rocking. So let's hear a little bit of uh, when Patsy Klein was crazy and Guy Mitchell sang the blues. Do 
album it's a guy from dublin you know he lives in la he's been here a long time um, really good friend of mine called gary sullivan he's a good drummer gary played he's a great drummer he played with me in that little punk band i had going in dublin i was telling you about earlier called sick and uh guys gary should he's one of these guys he should be in a band that's selling millions of records and be a household name he's yep. just a phenomenal drummer and i think when i go out and um, i'm looking at going out maybe later in the year and doing some Solo shows with the band, Gary, yeah. Gary will definitely be part of that. You do shows here in the States? I'd love to. Gotta play. Gotta, I mean, I probably, because I think most of the band, the band all live in LA, so. You gotta play LA sense. then. Yeah, absolutely. What, um, now some of these songs on uh, Hearts on Trees, this Psycho song, who's right. this, who wrote this song? This is, what, what, I, I, what was your mindset when you wrote this thing? You know, I heard that song, um, it's written by a guy called Leon Payne, who's a blind guy. Uh, so you, did, you didn't write that I one. didn't write this one. Nashville writer in, in the 60s. Had a couple, couple of hits. I think he wrote, um, uh, I think he might have wrote Longtime Highway. I'm not sure. I need to go mm. back and check that out. I, uh, back, way back in my New Model Army days, there was, a, there was a, a guy that would play open for New Model Army, and his name is Rev Hammer. Mm. And he was a very socialist singer-songwriter, folk singer. Great stuff. And he would play this song in his set. And I, every night I'd just go, what's that song? His lyrics are mental. You know, <laughs> right. they're, they're crazy. It's freaking me out. But what a great song. And he taught me it. And I kind of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And then, as things do, you just it popped back into my psyche. And I went, I should really record that song because it's a great song. Yeah, it made me think of like the songs on Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska album. Yes. And uh, both of these downloads came with beautiful digital booklets, and uh, I should have perused those a little bit more. I would have known that you didn't no, write that one. But let's hear, let's hear this psycho song, and everyone get ready to uh, go kill someone. Come here and fry some fish, mama, because I'm as hungry as can be. Oh, Lord, how I wish, mama. You could stop the baby crying Cause my head is killing me I saw my ex again last night Mama She was at the dance at Miller store She was with that Jackie White Mama I killed them both And they're buried under Jacob's sycamore You think I'm psycho, don't you, Mama? I didn't mean to break your cup You think I'm psycho, don't you, mama? You better let him lock me up So great. Brilliant, Brilliant lyrics. I mean, so dark. Don't bring that guy home with you. So dark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's also hear, I love this song. Uh, this is track 10. This is uh, 82. All right. The bill was stronger, the summer's longer. My riding needle, your movement sweeter, that blue dress tattle, your stolen ladder, not spent beside her when I loved you. 
heroes prouder, his shadow bigger, your midnight figure that harbor sunrise, those tears in her eyes, no way to disguise that I loved you. Yeah, these albums are so good. These are Thank both you. Ricky. These are good. Thank you. You did a, you did good work. Thank you very much. Your kids should be listening to these. <laughs> I will make them listen to it. There you um, go. So uh, you got Black Star Riders uh, tour dates booked. We have um, some shows, couple shows in the states. Yeah, we're doing the Monsters. Is it Monsters of Rock cruise? Yeah. And I know we're putting some shows together with Europe, and I hopefully there's this talk of an LA show with those guys. Yeah, I hope you guys. I hope you guys play the LA. Well, I hope you play LA. I, yeah. You know, just play LA. No, the <laughs> states. But it seems like you guys, Black Star Riders, plays overseas more. Again, it's the whole thing where Lizzie, we are huge over there. Yeah, and, and and so obviously that's a huge foothold for us. Where everybody knows the boys are back in town, and maybe jailbreak over here. And that I know was it. it sucks. And and you know it's. It's it's I hate to say it. It's all about cost and and, is, yeah. and getting out there and, and playing because we're not kids, you know. We we have uh, families, commitments, uh, commitments, and, and, mortgage, cars. You know, but we're working on it, and uh, you know, we, we, we're as the album is coming out, we're booking more and more shows. The year's filling up, and uh, you know, if we can try and get on the right tour over here, we'll be here. If not, we'll just come back and do some more clubs. You know? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Um, the uh, the Killer Instinct uh, that was was Joe Elliott was going to produce that. Was Joe, talk? Yeah, Joe um, called me at the start of last year, really excited, going, you know, your, your, your album's really great because, you know, I'm the man to produce the next <laughs> album. And, and, of course, you know, I love Joe. I was like, well, that would be brilliant. You know, we can yeah. record in your place. And, and he was very excited about it. And then he thought he was going to have a quiet year. He, you know, that there wasn't much going on in the Leopard Camp. They were talking about taking a year off and then the Kiss Tour line. Yeah. Then with talk of that, they said, well, let's record some new stuff. So he got incredibly busy and, and you know bless him as he does that's his priority and he just picked up the phone and said look I, I can't give you the time or commitment you guys deserve so I'm letting you know ahead of time um, that, that, I, that I, I can't, I can't do, it. do it and I was like you bastard <laughs> <laughs> I said as you do and uh, you know we panicked we're like well what are we going to do you know who are we going to get and we heard of uh, we all knew of Rick, Nick Rasklinix you know we know what he'd done is phenomenal the food fighters food fighters Rush, Chains, uh, you know, um, Velvet Revolver, Mastodon, all that stuff. He's a legend, and he's still a young guy. And we just thought, well, number one, probably won't work with us. And number, <laughs> number two, I don't think we can afford him. Yeah. And this was one of those things. Damon relocated to Nashville. His wife met Nick's wife at, at daycare with the kids or something like that. That's how it works. Hit it off. Damon said, hey... Do you think, you know, you could ask Nick's wife if I could get his number? <laughs> Nick said, no problem. Nick came to see it. We played it on the tour you saw. So yeah. We played in Nashville, and Nick came to the show. And he did the thing, you know. He did that thing, which is great. And I, I do it as well. They're like, hey, you know, I've, I've got to get up early with the kids tomorrow. So if you don't see me after the show, yeah. you know, that's it. Don't, don't worry about it. it. It'll be a good show, you know. That's your out in case you're oh, not yeah. enjoying it. Oh, I've done the same thing. Yeah. But as soon as we came off, he's in the dressing room. He's still there two <laughs> hours later. And he's like, I'll do your record, and I'll do it for whatever your budget is. And he was, for me, life-changing. I mean, I've never worked with a producer that's been that passionate in my life. He's so passionate. From day one, he just got involved 
emotionally, physically. He throwing things, and you got to do, you know, singing in your face. And <laughs> right. He was that guy, and he he was just amazing to work with. I can't wait to hear it because I mean, uh, Kevin Shirley, uh, that was a perfect fit for the Absolutely. first album. Absolutely. But when I saw you got, uh, and I can't, I don't even know how to pronounce Nick's last Rascalinux. name. Rascal Linux. Rascal Linux. When I saw you got him, I was like, oh, this is going to be. Like, Huge. I don't want to say contemporary, but you know what I mean. Yeah. It's gonna, it's, it's really fresh. Well, we had the luxury of three weeks to make this one. So, oh, there you go. You got an extra, a couple you of know, days. Nick's got his place in Nashville, and uh, he's he's just a complete rock and roll fanatic. You know, we take lunch breaks, <clears throat> and usually when we take a lunch break, it's music off. He, you know, go over to vinyl, get a UFO album, <laughs> kiss, put it on, and blare it. And he'd be, it just music, music, constantly music, talking about music, about this, and. Uh, he he certainly I think pushed us in a direction that was that was very positive for the band. That's that's perfect. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I just had something I was going to say and I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, that's me rubbing it on too much. No, 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 no. I can't remember what I was going to say. Well, anyway, look, I'm so glad that you came. We didn't, and we we I didn't have to go through management and all that because whenever I do that, it eventually happens. But it but it takes months. Yeah, I just I just tweeted at you. I just mentioned. No, I just it's, messaged it's, you. It's always better that way. And no, and you were like, yeah. And um, uh, that's only happened a couple times. Michael Debar, right? Did and he's like, I'll be there. What do you want me to do? Cool. And, and it was and and you were the same way. And uh, and this was a blast. I'm so excited. No, I'm so happy to meet you. Thank you. So happy to push these albums. Thank you. Um, with the new solo albums, will they, those eventually pop up on our iTunes? They will be available. There'll be some information on those very soon. The next few weeks, I'll okay. let people, if they can check out the Facebook or the Twitter or even the old www.com website, Ricky Warwick. Um, I'll let people know how they can get those very soon. And you are on Twitter. You're at Ricky Warwick. Yep. I can't say his name. Can't say Warwick. It. Warwick. Warwick. It's tough for me. There's W's. Don't, I have like a Pennsylvania accent and the, the W's and sometimes the L's don't roll off uh, my tongue very well. But uh, so thank like you. See, Jimmy's from Pennsylvania, so I'm used to it. There you go. He's a Bethlehem boy. Uh, also, the new uh, Black, Black Star Riders album comes out in February 23rd, maybe? I think it's 24th in the States. 24th in yep. the States. Yep. Um, Marco's not there. You got uh, Robbie Crane. Yeah, Marco is a busy man, likes to do a lot of things uh, at the time. Wonderful bass player, a wonderful yes. human being, but he he just didn't want to. He wanted he likes spreading himself around. Uh, yeah, if you, you know? go just look up Marco's uh, discography, you'll yeah. see that he he's. Uh, I'm not saying he's easily bored, but he always wants to. It seems like he always wants to do something new. He do, he does, and you know it was one of those things. He he was great. He helped us. He he stayed with us until Robbie was in place. Yeah, he didn't bail on you. No, it's completely amicable. <laughs> but Robbie has brought so much to this band. Great, a perfect fit. Great guy. Brings a little bit more aggression in, in the bass playing department, and I yeah. think it suits the band. Yeah, Robbie's more low-slung, and, he's, and, he's and Marco's more a little up yeah. high, yeah. Like, I don't, like Bill Wyman, kind of, yeah. but, but he's all rocker, too, Robbie's Marco. Robbie's got that Didi Ramon stance going on. There you on, go. You know, so. and, um, uh, and as far as Thin Lizzy goes now, is that, um, will there ever be Thin Lizzy shows again? You and know, if so, is the, that has to be with Brian and Darren, sure, right? Sure, of course. And, That's and, Brian and Darren's I, thing. Probably with the, the band that was out playing us than Lizzie uh, before we we stopped there. That's not really my call. I mean, that's really down to Scott. And, right. and I think I don't think there'll ever be any tours again. There may be one-offs, one-offs. like a festival, something like that. Yeah. All right. Well, for now, you have Black Star Riders. You got two solo albums. We're glad to have you here. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, follow him on uh, Ricky Warwick. 
Yay. At Ricky Warwick. <laughs> follow us at Rock Solid Show. Follow me at Pat underscore Francis. Follow Kyle at Kyle Dotson Funny. Like us on Facebook. Write a nice review on iTunes. Uh, go to the blog site. And uh, we're going to play you out with the first single and the title track from the new Black Star Riders album. This is going to be Killer Instinct. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you.